So did anybody uh, get one of these flyers? They're back on that table over there. I got twenty. I brought twenty of them. That's if you're interested in coming on a five-day retreat, you know, and having a spiritual awakening, you know. But if you're not, it's okay. Sorry. And actually, it's quite. You know, it's really up to God. I don't choose those things, but but actually, it's it's remarkably affordable. Five days. You can go like they're low price, three fifty. I mean, you can't stay at, you know, Motel Six for five days for three hundred and fifty dollars. And plus, they give you like three vegetarian meals a day. And you know, what what you say? I'm sorry. Or Spirit Rock. Or Spirit Rock. Oh, I definitely can't stay at Spirit Rock. Sure, 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 sure. So, oh, so. Uh, Let's, uh, we'll start up again here. We had the bell in the back, but I, I, um, as you can see, I'm hyper-organized and detail-oriented, so um, we're starting exactly when I said 8.55. Oh, I always like to, during these months, February and March, I like to remind people that there are there's a retreat going on up the hill. It's a two-month retreat. started beginning of February. We'll go until the end of March. And you can come for just one month, but there's a bunch of people up there who are who've been meditating now for six weeks. It's pretty pretty nice to know, I think, and pretty inspiring. So, as I said, I've been much too self-absorbed to think about teaching anybody anything. But uh, so I, I did one of what I often do, which was I picked up the 12 and 12. This is my little version of the 12 and 12. 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, which we know to have been written by Bill Wilson, although I don't think it actually, you know, does it say that anywhere? Not really. Anyway. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't read the traditional 12-step literature on a regular basis these days. I have uh, been to many, many book studies and, and uh, over the years. But uh, so, as I'm sure is true for you guys, very often I find things that I don't recall having read before, <laughs> even though I'm sure I've heard them many times. So, uh, you know, I just turned to Bill's step three, and I, and I didn't wind up at the starting page, so I wound up somewhere towards the end. And, uh, you know, was kind of look, reading it, and then I got to this. This was in italics, so, um, so it got my attention. Our whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower, We had tried to bombard our problems with it instead of attempting to bring it into agreement with God's intention for us. To make this increasingly possible is the purpose of AA's 12 steps, and step three opens the door. Once we have come into agreement with these ideas, it is really easy to practice step three. So, you know, what he what he's talking about is that we're supposed to use our will. <laughs> There's, 
you know, because there's sort of this understanding, oh, you know, God's will, not mine. But that can sort of turn into the, there's a way in which that can sound like or maybe become something somewhat passive. You know, as I like to say, you know, if step three were taken literally, it would be the last step. We turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. Okay, I don't have to do anything. God's going to do everything. But obviously, life goes on. And moment by moment, we have to make decisions. And the question to me, and what step three I think is about, is how do I make those decisions? Because there really isn't some being, I don't believe, you know, some, that's like pulling the strings, that's controlling everything. I still have will. And, I ha- what, and what Bill is saying is I need to figure out how I understand that that will should be used, which, you know, he uses this language of God. I use language of Dharma. Dharma, it just means truth, or, the, or specifically in Buddhism, it means the teachings of the Buddha. Dharma points to some very specific things. You know, and there, some of them are found in many different religions, and some of them are, seem more uh, around Buddhism, but it's fairly simple. You know, and the, uh, the ways that they align with, with the Dharma, or with, I'm sorry, with the 12 steps, is that you know, the Dharma says, we shouldn't act out of selfishness and that we shouldn't act out of anger. That we shouldn't cling to material things. We shouldn't cling to people, places or things. It's very much recovery principles. Um, And so so to me, step three, which says we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him, and I would get rid of the word him if I were going to rewrite it, which I'm not going to do, but I would just say, turn my will and my lives over to the care of God as I understand it. Because uh, God to me isn't it, not, or not a he, but anyway. Um, to me, what that's about is living in harmony with, in the broadest sense, the, pow- the power of karma. And specifically, th- with the Buddha's teachings, because wh- so what the Buddha was teaching was how to live in harmony with the law of karma. He was teaching you how to live, the you know the skillful things to do, just like any great teacher does. Right? It's, it's pretty simple. So, to me, if I can kind of like you know, that's the problem with the word God is like in our culture that means. It's the name of someone. And, if, and we have to make this shift and realize we're not talking about a, a being or someone. So that's why it's easier for me to say I'm turning my will and my life over to the power of the karma of, of Dharma or the power of karma. And again, to try to live in harmony with that, which means that then... So again, my will and my life means my intention and my actions. So... In any given moment, moment by moment, which is how we live, I can ask myself, why am I doing this? And is that intention in alignment with the Dharma? 
which means I have to then study the Dharma. <laughs> so I have to have some spiritual principles. And then I need to act on that. I take that action. And then the turning it over is the accepting that even if I feel that I'm in line with the Dharma and I do the right thing, it doesn't mean I get to get what I want to get necessarily, right? Then I, that's where the acceptance comes in, right? Because we know, like, one of the principles of step three is acceptance. That's what, that's what the turning over is. I'm taking, I'm trying to align my will in my life, and then the result is this. So, you know, going back to my introductory rant tonight, you know, I spent, I've put a lot of love and passion into writing a bunch of thousands of pages that no one has ever seen or a few agents and editors have rejected you know but that hasn't that haven't been published you know and you know you one does that thinking this feels like what i need to do right i'm just like following my heart but i didn't get what i wanted out of it so was it the wrong thing to do well I can see that it didn't cause any harm to anybody. And it only causes harm to me if my motivation is it has to make it, you know, if I can't let go, right? If I can't turn it over. And of course I go through that. I mean, you know, nobody likes getting rejections. But, but I also do have this bigger picture of, oh, well, you know, I've written all this stuff. And I loved writing it, so I got to have that experience. And I learned something about writing that I wound up channeling into other stuff that people have read and that people have appreciated. So I just figure, you know, this is what we do, right? We show up, we do our best, and then we accept the results. I never, you know, when I set out to write novels, I never thought, well, eventually this is going to lead to writing something about Buddhism and the Twelve Steps, which is really where I want to get to. Obviously, I wasn't like, you know, that wasn't the plan. But that's the turning it over, right? We just show up, we do our best, and something happens. At some point, we do get some sense of, oh, was this a wise choice or not? You know, maybe I could have made some wiser choices. I don't know. But... One of the good ways of telling whether you have taken the right actions in your life is to ask yourself, where am I right now? Because no matter what you've done before in your life, right now, you're at Spirit Rock Meditation Center at a Dharma and Recovery Group. And that is a good thing, you know. It just is, you know. This is a good place to be. People who like have just messed up everything just aren't here you know <laughs> not right now no. you know you can you may go out and mess it up after this you know but it's in, you know in this room tonight that's not going to happen so this is one of the things that I think is really important for us you know it says in the steps we will not regret the past no wish to shut the door on it you know so uh, th- that's because one of the ways we cannot regret the past is by seeing what is the present, what's going on in the present. Somehow, 
that past led to this present, as flawed as it may have been. So, a few things about the Dharma that to be more specific about turning our will and our lives over. So, what what are the sort of key elements that the Buddha said we should we should act on that we should align our will and our life to? First of all, being awake and aware, being mindful. And he says, you can't know what your intention is. You can't do the next right thing if you're not awake and aware. If you're unconscious, you're going to be driven by unconscious impulses. And unconscious impulses are almost always selfish. They they almost always represent either a desire for sensual pleasure, for ego gratification, or to harm someone that something or get away from something we don't like you know it's the those are the those are our unconscious impulses those are very you know primal so we have to be conscious to do the next right thing so that's a starting point that's a given mindfulness it's why mindfulness is the is the key to all buddhist meditation so we need to be mindful he has a, you know, suggestions about actions to speak the truth, speak kindly. To he talks about livelihood, you know, about non-harming, about sexuality, you know, all the the basic principles of morality that we all know. So we we all kind of we know that, right? People, that's part of living in harmony with the Dharma or doing God's will. Uh, then he talks about. You know, acting out of loving kindness, out of compassion, rather than out of resentment. The next thing I'm going to write is I'm working on, and I've outlined what's going to be a short, probably a short book on on loving kindness, which I feel has been uh, limited in its understanding in the way it's taught in Buddhism. Uh, The Buddha talks about loving kindness in a, in a broad number of ways. Sometimes he talks about it in very practical ways, expressing loving kindness by cleaning up for others, by taking care of other people, just, you know, in your household. That that's loving kindness. That's, he talks about loving kindness as non-ill will. There's this sutta called the simile of the saw, in which he says, if somebody is sawing off your limbs and a thought of ill will comes to mind, then you are not a follower of mine. You are not a follower of the Buddha. So that's not about, oh, I love everybody. It's can I not hate people? And, you know, he talks a lot more, I think, about non-ill will than about love. And I think there's a reason for it. It's a lot harder to not hate than it. It's easy for us to love people we love. But can you not hate the people you hate? Wow. And he talks about then he t- talks about love as not being about attachment. Can you not be attached to the people you love? Pfft, talk about another challenge, you know. And it's not so much oh you're bad if you you're attached to the people you love, but it's just he says look, this, you have to understand where this is going to lead. You know, when you're attached to people on this gut level that you, and you can't let go of them then you're going to suffer at some point. 
you know, I've talked about this a lot because my daughter is 17 years old. She's now been accepted into like eight different colleges. I mean, she applies to all. I don't know why they bother. You know, you can't go to all those schools. Anyway, that's what they do these days. She's going to leave. You know, that wasn't like my plan when she was born. <laughs> my plan was I've got this kid. It's great. She's really great. I love her. You know, and then it's like she gets bigger and bigger. It starts like, you know, she's going to leave. So, how, you know, th- that's when you get to see what, how, how's that attachment working for you? You know, how's that love working for you? Is that real love? You know, if I say, you know what, you're not going to college. <laughs> I'm not paying for it. You know, is that love? Because I love you, I won't let you leave, you know. I'm not going to quote the stupid lyrics. Sting writes some good lyrics, but you know. <laughs> so these are the these are some of the principles that the Buddha talks about, and we know these are basic spiritual principles, right? What love is, what mindfulness is, what compassion is, what skillful action is, and I think that sometimes. You know, when people approach spirituality and the word God, they kind of put it into these lofty terms where they start to feel that it's like this mysterious thing they have to figure out or like, uh, I have to have a spirit, I have to have conscious contact with God. How do I, you know, it's like I have to get like an aluminum foil pyramid on my hat or something. I mean, you know, it's just not that complicated. You know, it's right here, right now. Where do you think God is? Not in the future or the past or out back, you know. God is here now in you. What, you know, it's it's what you do here and now that's turning your will and your life over. It's not some exotic special thing. You have to learn the mantra to do it. You know. And I think that as much as people do get confused, the way people live in recovery, that's how they live, right? The, it's one of the things that I also find interesting that when people outside the 12-step world like start to critique the 12 steps, they don't understand that the 12 steps are just a framework and that the program is much more than that and that the fundamental, one of the fundamental elements of the program is morality. It's not in the 12 steps exactly. It doesn't quite say that. It's implied, but people don't realize that when you get sober, you know, it also means that you stop lying and cheating and screwing around in the, you know, that way. Uh, you know, that, that it's really about living differently and that, and that this, is, this is recovery. You know, recovery isn't just, oh, I don't pick up this particular substance anymore. There's much more to it than that. That's just, that's the sort of starting point. That's like, okay, you know, you've got to punch your ticket for that. And then you've got to show up and live. And then you've got to de- figure out what recovery is. So I think we all sort of, these things that I try to point to is what certainly a lot when I talk about step three, when it comes down to it, I think it's really what we're all doing already. But that sometimes we get confused with the language and the God and the prayer and trying to figure out what it all means. And when we just come down to what are you doing? What are you, you know, how are you, how are you living your life? How, how, what are the principles, how are the principles working for you? And it turns out that it's, that's just, this is what it is, you know. 
doing the next right thing. It's nice. I think it's helpful. And the thing I love about the Dharma is Buddhist teachings are so clear and practical, and they give you very specific things to do, plus they give you these tools. The steps don't have mindfulness meditation. You know, this is one of the... You know, the precious things is there's this training that we can do with this practice really allows us to go uh, deeply into, uh, you know, our own self-examination as as well as finding true peace, finding actual serenity, not just as a like, oh, I took a breath, but actually feeling it as a as a living thing in our lives. and I, I just, I love the Dharma and I love the, the Buddhist teachings, but it's just funny to me how somehow I can get way out there in some Buddhist teaching and, some, and I'll find myself out there and suddenly it'll be like a bell goes, ding, oh yeah, the 12-step principle that I'm talking about now that I didn't realize I was talking about. That's why I keep doing this, because it, 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 they are integrated for me. So, oh, goodness. So that's a little bit on step three. And as I was saying to my friend here during the break, um, my second book is called A Burning Desire, Dharma God and the Path of Recovery. And that, that goes into all the ways that I understand the Dharma as being a higher power. And uh, I really, I, I actually, of all the things I've written, that's the thing that I'm most proud of in terms of uh, how it's laid out and how, it's, how it comes out. So if you're interested, I recommend it. It's also the book that's of mine that's sold the least. So it's <laughs> sort of my poor little, it's like the neglected child of my <laughs> books. But And I'm not trying to sell books because I'll never make any money from that. Yes. A, a quick question. Yep. You're talking about your books and um, compar- comparing your different books that have been published and not published. Uh, and I know when I write things, <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to think of them like a child. Yeah. And so, uh, how do you deal with that? The, the ones that don't get published are like the uh, the, the child that the miscarried or something. That never gets out there. <laughs> oh God! Sorry, sorry. Sorry, I brought it up. Yeah. You know, there. Well, first of all, I actually look back on each because I've written. I wrote a, my first book was called Ghost Town. It was about a musician on the road, and I still have kind of an affection for that. But I understand how it was flawed. My second book, I really understand how it was even. It was more flawed. And the third one, I don't even know what I was thinking <laughs> like it's just a weird like murder it's called guitar string murder and it just it, it shifts point of view like every three pages it's, I don't know I don't know what I was doing and then the fourth one so, yeah, really I mean we're talking almost you know we're talking about 27 years of writing here so so really the way I feel about them is oh I, I see their flaws and I try to learn from them so I'm hoping that the thing I've written now is like, okay, I've kind of learned about some of my mistakes and this will be good. But but now when I, I also, though, when I write, I kind of look at it going, like there's something wrong with this and I don't know what it is. Uh, that's a terrible feeling. <laughs> like there there's probably something wrong and I don't know what it is. Oh, God. That's the probably a negative view, but... Um, 
Yeah, I, I just see I see them as stepping stones, and and I know that you know when I went to write One Breath at a Time, I tried to bring some of my novelistic storytelling narrative skills to to bear in that project, and that that's one of the reasons why people like that book is because it's stories, right? And so and I I tried to write you know I tried to write it as as literature, um, and, and so you know yeah so it's. It's all learning, right? We're either learning or we're just repeating our mistakes, right? I think is that maybe that's a, you know, an aphorism we can, we can uh, use. But yes, if you're not learning from your mistakes, then presumably you're making them again. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, is there any way that you elaborate more on that? Because I find that's very challenging yeah. to keep motivated and keep ambitions and yet be able to turn it over and accept, like you say, if they don't have it. Yeah. Um, um, without drinking, without using, without having some sort of backup plan. Yeah. Backup plan is go to a meeting. That's kind of the backup plan. Um, I'll hear something I need to hear. Um, you know, again, that it's that burning desires where I talk about that stuff, and particularly I think under right effort, because I think right effort is really a tricky one when you have this idea: how do I turn my will and my life over to the power of right effort? That doesn't. It sounds like a conflict of principles. And and it's but it's what what um, Bill Wilson is talking about. It's it's uh, we have to take action. We have to employ our will. And when you know when things don't work out, you know I, I often look back look back and go, oh, well, what was my will? What was my motivation in there? I mean, this is one of the reasons why I have trouble with writing fiction as opposed to Dharma. Because Dharma, it's really clear. I'm writing this to share something. Fiction writing, it's much more ego involved. <laughs> and so I know, like, it's a lot harder for me to turn that over. You know? and, and so I know there's, there's ego involved. But, I mean, okay. You know, you enter into that knowing it and you know what the what the uh, possible outcomes are. I, I don't know if I'm answering your question at all, but um, something like that. Yeah? There isn't a format. No. I mean, I, after, I was done talking. I sort of gave my talk, so I'm just checking the time. We're good. We have nine minutes. Yeah. Right, right. From 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, right. But I find myself recently just uh, asserting myself, whether it's failure with anything, just asserting myself, accepting it what it is, and coming back stronger than I was before. Yeah, I mean, the principle of keep coming back. You know, it's a great one, you know, because, uh, you know, you keep coming back to meetings, you keep coming back to your breath, you keep coming back to your right intention, you know, like, oh, wow, that failed, like, oh, what am I, what is it that I want to do? And, and I know, I, like you, you know, I, I could give up really easily when I was out there, when I was drinking and using, it was like, oh, it either happens or it doesn't. You know, and and I didn't know about persistence and showing up. And the Buddha talks quite a bit about persistence and continuing to, to you know, being ardent and, and you know, really working hard. And you think, but I thought we weren't supposed to cling and grasp. But and that's why, you know, figuring out what right and effort is <laughs> is so challenging. Like, how do I make an effort to achieve something without being attached? And I, and I would say very mindfully. Yeah. But also knowing that there's always going to be some attachment. And, you know, when I fail, there's some pain. But as you say, it's like, well, is that, am I at the end of the line here? You know, or do I need to realign, get started again? Do I need to show up again? You know, it's, it's life, right? And, and as addicts, I think we're very, you know, all or nothing, and we're, we're very self-pitying, and, uh, you know, to, to just uh, keep showing up, to keep coming back. Wow. Huge challenge. Yeah. I'm Vinny. I'm an addict. Yeah, Vinny. Hi. Um, you know, uh, when I uh, worked this step, you know, I was obviously early in recovery, and, um, you know, as you explained before, I had this lofty idea about what God was. I actually had a big, you know, uh, I, there was a wall, you know, like I didn't yeah. understand it. And, you know, I'd always had a resistance to it ever since I was a kid, you know. And so uh, my sponsor said to me, you know, he had to, like, put it in simple terms for me. He said, well, let me, he said, let me, let me explain it to you another way. He said, um. You had no problem turning your will and your life over to the methadone program for all the years you were on it, or mm. your will and your life over to the connection on the street corner. Yeah. Um, think of it as turning your will and your life over to the program or something that's yeah. good, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, if anybody's new in here, like that's a, a, yeah. an easy, yep. you know, simple way to, to look yeah. at it. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. That's, that's getting right down to it. Yeah. So we should close. Uh, let's do a little bit of uh, loving-kindness practice together, and uh, we will leave happy, joyous, and free. I'm just settling back. You might take a couple of deep breaths just to relax. And breathing into your heart. Recognizing the longing 
to connect, to love and to be loved. Knowing that this is a very human longing to love and to be loved. So just for a few moments, let's see if you can bring to mind someone who you don't love. And I would suggest a very easy one might be a public figure. (laughs) And if you can imagine some public figure who you find not lovable, and think about that person and their own longing for love and their longing to be loved. And to realize that each of us expresses this longing in our own way, some skillfully, some unskillfully, some in a way that brings us suffering or that brings suffering to others. And seeing that truth can evoke in us compassion so that if we, even if we don't necessarily feel love for the person who we find difficult, we can perhaps feel compassion for them to realize that they are creating suffering for themselves and others out of their own misguided expression of this desire to love and be loved. Even to see how difficult it is to evoke some positive thought or feeling when simply thinking about someone, certainly not having our limbs sawed off by them. We see what a challenge the Buddha gives us. It's also the challenge that Christ gives us from the cross when he forgives his tormentors. So maybe we can use this as just a, a slight wedge into our own unwillingness, our own resentment or ill will to bring some glimmer of compassion and care to those we do not love. May all beings find love to give and to receive. May all beings be free from suffering.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.